Hello, hello. It's good to have you all here. This is the Trish Regan Show. I am Trish. We got a lot to get to. We are brought to you, as always, by LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. We're going to talk about that inflation report and how that might relate to your investing in just a moment. But there's some news to cover today. We got, first of all, an endorsement from the House Speaker. And then there's this going on. Over in Washington, D.C., just hours ago, the Speaker of the House, who made an important endorsement, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, out there making it very clear in this rally for Israel that a ceasefire with Hamas, a known terrorist organization, is not an option. Watch. so good to be with you all. What an extraordinary crowd. And it was organized in just a few days. It's amazing. amazing. Indeed. There, there are few issues in Washington that could so easily bring together leaders of both parties and both chambers. But the survival of the state of Israel and her people unites us together and it unites all Americans, all Americans. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because not entirely. I mean, after all, There was a whole crowd. The squad had a little campfire last night. I'll show you parts of that. And then, of course, there were two major people that were missing at that rally. Can you say Joe and Kamala? Well, they had some climate business to get to. But for whatever reason, chose to ignore this rally for Israel. Wow. Okay, let's continue on with the Speaker of the House right here from Washington, D.C. just moments ago. Let me be very clear. The United States stands unequivocally with our neighbor, our friend, our ally, Israel. They are their neighbors in a global sense. That's right. Last week, a bipartisan group of members stood in solidarity on the steps of the House to mourn the loss lives in the October 7th attack and to grieve with the families of Israeli hostages that are still being held in Gaza. We heard heartbreaking and tragic accounts of their kidnappings. And of course, as you know, many of those families haven't received an update on their well-being since that day. As a parent myself, I can begin to comprehend their despair. All of us yeah, feel that it's way. Been a this morning, we watched the horrific film that was produced by Hamas from their own cameras as they committed the assault. It's unspeakable. Awful. The unspeakable indeed. was full of Republicans and Democrats in the House, and they wept as we watched the film together. Most couldn't sit through it. These Israeli hostages were kidnapped in their homes by barbaric Hamas terrorists for simply being Jewish and living in Israel. As Prime Minister Netanyahu says so well, this is a fight between good and evil, between light and darkness, between civilization and barbarism. Barbarism. The calls for a ceasefire are outrageous. Thank you, Mike Johnson. I repeat, thank you, Mike Johnson, because you know what? That just has to be said. I can't believe what we have been hearing from some members of the Democrat Party, okay? Ilhan Omar, the Bowman guy who, who don't forget, was out there pulling fire alarms in order to prevent the House from actually getting a vote on our budget. Classy act he is, right? And Ilhan Omar holding a, a campfire, as I said there last night, where they just say, you know what, that it's it's... 
It's our way or nothing. Let's not forget. And by the way, the House did see those images. They are very graphic images. I'm going to play you a clip from a Democrat who was horrified by those images and who's on board with Mike Johnson, by the way, saying ceasefire is not an option. Anyway, um, when you go over to, I don't know, Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I guarantee you my Spanish is better than hers, by the way. Here she is trying to say that it's it's not on the t- it should it, it should not be the way it is and that we must have a ceasefire. Absolutely. Here's AOC herself. Ceasefire means there is no military solution, only a diplomatic and cultural solution. A relational solution, a reckoning with ourselves and our history. That is what ceasefire now means. A reckoning with ourselves and our history? You you see where this is going. This is going very quickly towards big bad Israel, big bad United States of America. We hate Israel. We hate the U.S. By the way, we hate France. We hate the U.K. We hate any Western power that might have colonized an area at some point in history because we hate ourselves, right? Like that's fundamentally bottom line where she's going with this. Somehow it's okay. They, they go after you, but you're supposed to roll over and play dead. I don't think so. Okay, let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget who started this because this is what the terrorists want. I, I, I mean, it's like saying to the United States of America, in the aftermath of 9-11, you cannot go after Osama bin Laden. You can't go after Al-Qaeda because you know what? That's not nice. And you know what? We all have to learn to get along. And they did what they had to do. No, don't you dare. Don't you dare give me that AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Bowman, the rest of you. Sanders included. Don't you dare. Because you're trying with your misinformation and disinformation, trying to seed a very different story, trying to create a kind of amnesia where somehow the 1,400 people that are dead are, 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 are well, You're trying to justify it. Is that not what you're doing? You're trying to say, I mean, that's exactly what they're doing. Let's not forget the letter from Harvard. Days after this ordeal happened on October 7th, the cool kids at Harvard wanted you to know it was Israel's fault. That was their headline. Israel's fault. And now Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gets out there and says, we have to have a ceasefire that somehow Israel has no right to go after a terror organization that's hiding behind hospitals. I mean, this is messed up, guys. This is really, really messed up. And you got a weak, feckless president who can't even bother to go to this. No, because he's got important things like climate change to to, to adhere to. And somehow he and his advisors think that this is going to appease the base. You know, we're just going to double down on climate on a day like today and hope that nobody notices. Yeah, right. Today, I'm proud to announce that my administration just released the fifth climate assessment on our nation's history. It didn't just come out of thin air. Written over four years, 750 authors and experts, thousands, thousands of American contributors, from every single state in the nation, as well as several territories and tribes. It's the most comprehensive assessment on state climate change in the history of America. And it matters. This assessment (laughs) 
See, he was busy. He had stuff to do. Okay. Great. You know what? Listen, you could have gotten out there and shown your commitment to Israel, but you're too damn scared. And your vice president just wants us to know that she started a task force to make sure that Islamophobia is dealt with head on. I mean, despite the fact that all over college campuses, everywhere you get anti-Semitic graffiti all over the place. You've got kids getting intimidated, harassed on Harvard's campus. But no, no, Kamala, Kamala's got her Islamophobia task force going. I mean, it might have been nice, right? It might have been nice for somebody to show up there. I'm just saying. Mike Johnson knows it. It, it would certainly be nice to have the president or the vice president or both at this rally. They need to be here. Mm -hmm. um, he needs to show his support, and we need to project strength on the world stage. The problem with the Biden presidency overall is that we're projecting weakness, and that invites aggression. And I think that's part of the calculation here. I think that's what Hamas and Iran, using them as a proxy, has factored in. We yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, after all, it was the Biden administration that gave him $6 billion. And what do you know a few weeks later? This. You know, here's the deal. You say to Hamas, you're not getting to you're not getting to first base unless you release every single hostage now. End of story. I mean, we're not even going to talk to you. And we're going to do everything we need to do to make sure that we do everything we can to get those hostages out. But guess what, guys? It's over. It's totally over. And the great thing, by the way, about all of this, I would say, is that Iran, who's sitting there in the wings saying, okay, you know, we're going to use Hamas to trigger the rest of the Middle East. Everyone in the Middle East is like, well, clearly we can't trust Iran. Nobody can trust Iran because look what they'll do. So now the rest of the countries are like trying to kind of, you know, walk this walk and be like, oh, you know, it's not great. What is? But believe me, they don't trust Iran. At all now. So, Iran, this has backfired on you spectacularly. But, you know, the truth is, when you look at what's happened to the Democrat Party, I think it's very clear it's also fired back on the Democrat Party pretty spectacularly. Because I'll tell you, you know where your friends are in a moment like this. And all the Jewish Democrats, they, they're looking at this and saying, what the heck? Where is Biden when we need him? Where is Kamala when we need her? I mean, hey, at least Hillary is saying ceasefire is not an option. You got Trump, who's like, first of all, this never would have happened under me because Iran would have been positively, absolutely terrified. And he's right on that. They were completely freaked out and destabilized by Donald Trump in the way that you want, right? Because you don't want them thinking, well, you know, hunky-dory times, this is all great, we get our $6 billion, we get our hostages back, and what do you know, we can launch a terror attack that's going to cause all kinds of global turmoil. I, I, I'm hurt by this administration's lack of willingness to defend our allies. I'm not surprised, because there's a political calculation going on. And all they can think is, what about all those people that like AOC and all those voters that like Bowman and all these voters that like Rashida Tlaib? You look at the polling out of Michigan right now, Biden's down, right? He's suffering. But you know what? He's going to suffer anyway, guys, because the economy is a freaking mess. I don't care. Inflation. Woohoo. It didn't go up again. 
from last month, but it's what still 3.2% of an increase over last year. That's a lot more than the 2% the Fed is targeting for 1.5 to 2%. Look, we still got inflation. So the economy is not great. The border's a freaking mess. I'm, I'm worked up, as you can see, because I'm disgusted that the president blew this off and thought that he could get away with announcing his climate stuff in exchange. No, it doesn't work that way. I mean, hey, even little Greta knows that, right? Did you see her yesterday? Greta Thunberg, who, you know, Thunberg, who, who basically turned her little climate rally into a Hamas rally. This happened. We have not been listening. The people in power have not been listening. I have come here for a climate demonstration, not a political view. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Wait for it. More's coming. If you're listening, she was just uh, sort of accosted there by a protester on stage. She said, wait a second. I, you know, I came here for a climate rally, not a political rally. And there she goes. No climate justice on occupied land. So, like, you know, <laughs> even the climate stuff has become Hamas stuff. Like, that, that's what's being interwoven. And if you can't see that, if you can't see what all this DEI and all this CRT and all this radicalism is doing to America and to its allies, well, Joe Biden, there is no hope for you, buddy. There's just no hope. I mean, a variety of reasons there's no hope. But I want you to see, guys, here's a Democrat speaking earlier today, Representative Moskowitz out of Florida, and a Democrat, right, on MSNBC saying... You know, his colleagues are seeing these tapes and they're just awful. And, and I'm going to just warn you, and I, and I want to do this for everyone's sake. There are no images here. We're not doing that. Um, but you got to hear what he's saying because it's graphic. I warn you that it's graphic. But know it and think about it when you hear Ilhan Omar, AOC, and the rest of them, Rashida, trying to say that somehow Israel doesn't have the right to take out Hamas, who's hiding behind children and innocent civilians, which, by the way, is a war crime in and of itself. Here is the representative from Florida, Representative Moskowitz. Colleagues right now are watching a video that I saw in Israel. Right now, they're in the Capitol watching that video. And that video is going to show that Hamas copycatted the Nazis. They lined up families in a row. They shot the children in front of the parents. They burned people alive in pits. They're going to see a father jumping on a grenade while the children scream that their dad is dead. (sighs) And Biden blows it off. Biden blows off the rally for Israel because he's scared. And you know what? That scares me as an American. Because as Mike Johnson said, this is not a time, ladies and gentlemen, to become political. And yet this is what he's doing (laughs) over and over and over again. There's no leadership here, no leadership whatsoever I mean, it's like, okay, well, what are the polls today? What do we say? 
There's actually, this is great. There's a story in Politico, politico.com at this moment is on their front page where they're saying, you know, this may not be all that for Biden. He and his team are counting on the economy to help deliver him 2024. And I'm like, wait a second, am I reading this right? Am I reading this right? Biden thinks the economy is going to win it for him in 2024. I mean, wow. <laughs> you know, Bidenomics. So Bidenomics with the, you know, $25 hamburger in one part of Connecticut over at McDonald's. Kid you not. There's some like value meal apparently in some Tony town there. New York Post did a story on it. And then other towns like New York City, I guess it's like 16 bucks for that value meal at McDonald's. I'm like, anytime somebody tries to tell you Bidenomics is working, you remind them that it costs 16 bucks for a McDonald's value meal <laughs> in New York City. Hey, Bidenomics is not working, okay? Plain and simple. There was a read on inflation today. came in, the consumer price index up 3.2% over last year. But everybody's like, woo, you know what? It didn't go up from last month because that's how desperate we are. The Fed has an inflation problem. At some point, I think they're going to have to move on rates, but they've chosen not to. So, you know, the market loves that. And it's game on. It's game on, game on, game on even though they're looking for 1.5 to 2%. I mean, people are just like, whew, at least it didn't go up. At least it didn't go up, except that, you know, cumulatively, we're still up, what, 16% since Joe Biden came to office. Thank you very much, which is why I'm telling you, the economy should not be the issue that he runs on. And already you're starting to see some economists warn of that. Mark Sandy over at Moody's, I've known Mark for many years. He tends to lean left and he's out saying, look, you know, you can't count on this. He's predicting just a 51% chance that Biden's going to win. There's another economist, a uh, well-known Ray Fair, I believe, who's come out saying, you know, don't bet on it. Listen, you can't bet on it. I'm going to be the realist here. You know what? I got no allegiance to anyone. The economy is not going to be your ticket, Joe Biden, come 2024. In fact, I, I'd start looking hard. At other things. I mean, maybe maybe you go back to the climate well, buddy. Today, I'm proud to announce <laughs> that my administration just released the fifth climate assessment on our nation's history. Because just- I'll tell you, when you're so busy with your fifth climate assessment, while, while there's war going on and you're not willing to go to the Washington Mall at a historic moment like this, I'm telling you, it's game over. Extraordinary crowd, and it was organized in just a few days. It's amazing, amazing. There, there are few issues in Washington that could so. There are a few issues in Washington. Mike Johnson says, "Yep, you know, there are a few issues that we can all agree on, and pretty much everybody is in line, except for oh, I don't know, the extremists." And Joe Biden is so worried about those extremists that he can't show up at a rally for Israel. That is pretty tragic. Anyway, Mike Johnson was uh, all over the airwaves today, including CNBC this morning, a place I used to work. Here he is with Joe Kernan, and he announced that he is indeed endorsing President Trump. Now, watch this, because, you know, I'm like, wait, didn't we kind of know this, right? Like, wasn't that sort of obvious? And I guess he hasn't really totally technically come out on record. And someone was telling me that Kevin McCarthy had never really come out on record for Donald Trump. I mean, I kind of just assumed Johnson was a Trump guy, but... Anyway, it's official. Ladies and gentlemen, can we get a drum roll? (laughs) Okay, Mike Johnson announcing who he is going to endorse for president in 2024. 
Yeah, I, I have. I have endorsed him wholeheartedly. Um, look, I was uh, one of the closest allies that President Trump had in Congress. He had a phenomenal first term. Those first two years, as you all know, we brought about the greatest economic numbers in the history of the world, not just the country, because his policies worked. And I'm, I'm all in for President Trump. I, okay, yeah, I, know, I right. expect he'll be our nominee. Yeah. And, and he's going to win it. And we have to make Biden a one-term president. We have to do that. <laughs> I think you're going to do that. I really do. I think you're going to do that because I just don't think the guy is actually electable at this point. I mean, he's suffering in ways that we shouldn't have to see a president suffer. I've played you the clips. You remember he was there Veterans Day over the weekend. Really not uh, not really showing the best light. Let me see if I can find this for you again. I, I, I don't know. I look at this and I say, this is not inspiring confidence. What do you think? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we are watching some video coming to us from C-SPAN of the president not seeming to know what to do at a Veterans Day ceremony and kind of wandering back and forth over to the vice president. She kind of smirks a little. She's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get this job pretty soon. Come on. So America sees this. America's aware of this. America doesn't like where we are, economically speaking, politically speaking, in terms of all this division now, even within the Democrat Party quite clearly, and then internationally. I mean, it's all a mess. It's really, really, really and truly a mess. And as Mike Johnson said earlier, I think that people sense this around the world. Other countries sense this, and this is their opportunity. And so we need to, we need to be stronger. We need to be more united. We need to be America again, which means the insanity, the nonsense, it just needs to stop. Can we just say that? I mean, wow. I, I, I'm just amazed at how... Absent, and I mean that in, in more ways than one, the President of the United States of America is on a day like today. There's no reason for it. I hope that you've subscribed to the show. I want to go out to some of your comments. Um, Don saying he was just watching Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, like I can, I, that's sort of like it feels, right? Like I get it. Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, you're funny, Abel. You know what? I, I wouldn't wish that job on anyone, but I think, you know what? Hey, Abel's talking about vice president opportunities. What do you guys think about this? Because I thought this was quite the tease the other night. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. Here we go. Donald Trump. And there he is. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you see him next to Kid Rock. And you see him next to Tucker Carlson, also Dana White is there as well. So that was pretty interesting to see. And so I just mentioned that, Abel, as you, as you talk about the potential vice presidential pick. That's what we're really watching. I think that's what's going to be most interesting. It's quite obvious that Donald Trump is going to get the nomination, as Johnson clearly made evident there uh, there on CNBC this morning. And I think, you know, look at, hey, we're a year out and anything can happen. But you look at these polls and people are like, wait a second, you know, maybe I'd take a few mean tweets over the way things are going. I think there's a lot of fear. They're trying to encourage that fear. We'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow, because if you have noticed on the airways as of late, all you hear is how he's going to go and lock up all his political opponents, sort of Mussolini style. I don't think that's the case. In fact, I can tell you in my personal conversations with him, I remember once asking him, forgive me if you've heard this story before, if you're a subscriber, you may have, but I remember I remember asking him, like, why didn't you go after Clinton, Hillary? Why, why did that just end? And he, you know, he said to me something to the effect of, well, you know, it's the United States of America. 
Um, so even though he threatened to put her in jail, he he still like has some respect, shall I say, for our institutions. And yet this other team doesn't. Right. I, I, I think that's pretty clear. And we've gotten evidence of that, which, again, we can save for tomorrow. But you, you know that. Right. You consider what happened on social media and how you couldn't get certain viewpoints out. You you consider what has happened to some of the people that you know that you used to watch on regular old television, although who needs that? I'll tell you. Who needs that, right? Isn't it kind of freeing to just be here, just us? I mean, I know it's a smaller audience and we don't have quite the graphics package, <laughs> but it's kind of neat because it's it's just us and, and there's no network in between. And I like that. It feels very genuine to me. And I think that this is actually the future of the industry as a whole anyway. I mean, it, you have to remember whenever you watch Fox or MSNBC or CNBC or any of these places, Bloomberg, or Bloomberg, don't get me started. Any of these places, everything is sort of massaged or filtered or, or looked at, right, within the context of what's good for the organization and what's good for the organization is what's good for the stock price or for the individual owner and not necessarily what's good for you as an American. And so hopefully you're getting this, you know, authenticity and a viewpoint that is transparent. I think that that's my duty as a journalist to offer that. Every journalist, don't let them them tell you otherwise. They all have viewpoints, right? And you can't just hang your hat on in the closet when you walk in the door and say, I'm I'm not going to have a viewpoint. We're human beings. Of course, we have viewpoints. Hopefully on an informed program like this one, you're hearing different things. I mean, hey, I'm watching MSNBC, so you don't have to, right? You're hearing different viewpoints, but we come away with some commonality and some overall sense of what is right and what is wrong and what is real. And I'm able to do that because I have this ability to connect directly with you. So I appreciate you being here. I, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into politics. <laughs> Sorry, Abel. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got a, a big family still uh, to take care of. So I, I need to be there for them, but I, I appreciate your support and I appreciate you being here. So if you haven't do subscribe to this, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple. I don't have the link, so you're going to have to look up Trish Regan. Next time I'll have it. And Spotify. I'm writing that into our chat. And if you're listening on the podcast there on Apple or Spotify, do me the favor of coming over to our YouTube channel or to Facebook and make sure you follow me. We also post this on Rumble as well. But the live show is here. Love seeing you guys. Really, really good stuff. David, I'm glad you love the format too. I'm just reading uh, the viewers' comments here. I like this format. I think it fits us all really quite well. I'll see you tomorrow, okay? Take care.